This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. So amen to, you know, the David's thoughts. I caught the second half. I was a couple minutes late coming in, and but I got that verse. Uh, and the prayer, the songs. Brother Shea referenced that it's been kind of a, you know, uh, downcast. Is that the right word? No. Dark. And I love that song you led. We're going to talk about death this morning. We're going to talk about death. In keeping with the, uh, the darkness, you know. And there may be no other topic... Um, that's more personal, you know, for each of us. It's one of those topics that people, you know, you mention and people kind of shy away from it or they're like, oh, you know, oh yeah. But it's an important topic. It, hit, it really hits home for each of us. You know, we've all, we're here, so we haven't personally, personally, personally experienced it yet, but we've been around it. You know, we all have some experience with death. We've all had family and friends, people we love, who... They're no longer here with us. And perhaps you've been there at the very end of someone, family, someone you love, you know, watch their last breaths being taken. We know on the personal level that our time is coming. And that's a hard topic to uh, face sometimes, you know. Um, that thought is, it's avoided until it's no longer avoidable a lot of times. I see that regularly. I, I'm a hospice RN. I've been doing it about three and a half years, and... I feel like I've just been immersed in death for the past three and a half years. It's what I do for a living, you know? And, um, and like any situation, you know that's coming, uh, preparation can save some headaches later. Um, you know, if, if you know you're going camping, there's preparation involved, you know? There's a lot of preparation for stuff like that. Um, if you know that um, 
Well, we all know that two things are certain, death and taxes, right? Well, taxes, if you know your taxes are coming due um, every year, and you know the tax deadline's April 15th, then you better be ready before then, right? And maybe that's why so many people uh, are not ready for death when it comes, because there is no date set on the calendar. It's easy to to postpone thinking about it or planning for it. Um, it's easy to put off. So let's, let's not postpone. Let's consider it this morning for a few minutes uh, and consider our end. You know, some of us, it may feel like it's, it's close. It's closer. Definitely closer than it used to be. I'm starting to feel that way, you know. Uh, I remember, I don't know, I think way back to when I was a kid. <laughs> 20, I don't know. It just seemed like, it just seemed like so long away. And here I am, 43 almost. And it just, you know, and I remember my parents saying that. And my grandparents you just, and when you're 20, you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. But here, you know, before you know it, your kids are growing up, and they're having kids, and I'm right where they were saying the same thing, you know? Um, so let's not postpone thinking about and considering our end, because we know for certain that our, our days are numbered. And we don't know how many there are. We just don't. And we don't know whether our end will be from these loner bodies uh, wearing out or if it's going to be because Jesus comes in our lifetime. But um, we know for certain that our days here are numbered. Let us consider. There was, a, there was a couple guys in the Old Testament uh, in Numbers 22 and Numbers chapter 23, uh, Balaam and Balak. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Their names were a little different back then. You don't see many of Balaam's and Balak's these days. But um, Balak was the king of Moab, king of the Moabites. And uh, in Numbers 22, just starting off there, then the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab, and they camped east of the Jordan River, across from Jericho. And this Balak, the Moabite king, he'd seen everything the Israelites did to the Amorites. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. And the king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, he said, This mob will devour everything in sight, like an ox devours grass in the field. And so Balak, the king of Moab, he sent messengers to call Balaam, the, uh, who was living somewhere else. His message said, look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. And they cover the face of the earth and they're threatening me. Please come and curse them. Curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them 
and drive them from this land, I know the blessings, um, you know, blessings fall on any people you bless, Balaam, and curses fall on the people you curse. And then after some uh, further discussion, and, uh, and then we have the account of um, Balaam and the, the talking donkey. It's just an interesting story there. But he makes it to Balak. He agrees to go. And he, he uh, you know, in chapter 23, after we've got some altar building and some sacrifices being made, um, Balaam, you know, he says, I'm only going to tell you what God tells me to tell you, whether that's a curse or a blessing, like you asked for a curse. Balaam responds to the king, Balak. He says in Numbers 23, verse 7, he said, This was the message Balaam delivered. Balak summoned me to come. Uh, He brought me from the eastern hills and come, he said, curse Jacob. For me, these all these Israelites come and announce Israel's doom. But how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? I see them from the cliff tops. I watch them from the hills. I see a people who live by themselves, set apart from other nations. Who can count? All of Jacob's descendants, as numerous as dust. Who can count even a fourth of Israel's people? And this last verse here is what um, caught my eye. Let me die like the righteous. And let my life end like theirs. It's a desire. It's a wish. Who are the righteous? And, and you know, why did he say that here? Uh, why do we want to die like them? To let our uh, life end like theirs? You know, this verse is kind of spoken from a, a place of unrighteousness. Um, And we'd consider Balaam's life um, to be as such from a perspective of unrighteousness, considering his account in the scriptures and how he ended up leading uh, people away from God into idolatry. Let's consider the obvious answer. Hebrews 9.27, each person is destined to die once. And after that comes judgment. Let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like theirs. Matthew 25, uh, starting in verse 31, we read of something there, and in the heading of my Bible, it, it talks about the final judgment. The final judgment. 
But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep at his right hand and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you fed me, I was thirsty, you gave me drink, I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing, I was sick, you cared for me, I was in prison and you visited me. And then, um, you know, we're well familiar with this passage and... Um, you know, we know for those who didn't uh, do those things, verse 46, and they will go away into everlasting, eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Reading about the separation between the righteous that uh, Balaam talked about, let me die like the righteous, versus... The alternative, there will be a great separation. 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, 7 verse 9, And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted. And also for us, when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven, He will come with His mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. <clears throat> you know, these topics are, uh, they're heavy. And a lot of people in the world, they don't like heavy. They don't like to talk about stuff like this. Um, because if they, um, it's easy to feel condemned which makes you feel bad, feel guilty, like I need to bring about a change. And um, it's easy to be accused bringing up these topics to unbelievers of being uh, judgmental, <laughs> um, of not showing love. But how opposite is that? There will be a great judgment, and there will be as we just read in God's word, a separation, uh, there will be two categories, righteous and unrighteous. And that's what we're looking at here is uh, we want to die like the righteous for good reason, for good reason. Second Peter 3, verse 3 and going on a little bit there, he says, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. Sounds familiar. Sounds like an environment we live in. They will say, what happened to the promise that, that Jesus is coming again? Yeah, it's been 2,000 years, right? That is old-fashioned. <laughs> From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created, they'd say. And they deliberately forget 
that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water, surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment. When ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth And everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. And since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, our Lord's patience, it gives people time to be saved. I kind of mentioned... Starting at the end and working backwards. You know, anytime we have a goal, we can start at the goal. Where do I want to be? Where do I want to end up in such and such time? And then you work backwards and you kind of make a plan like, how am I going to get there? Right? Um, well, it's the same thing with death. It's a common goal, uh, short-sighted in light of eternity, but um, many have as uh, one of their big or ultimate goals to retire, you know, in comfort and prosperity. Um, And they'll seek advice from financial advisors. And one of the first things these advisors start with is, um, you know, how do you, how do you want to live in retirement? You know, you start with the end goal and then you make a plan to get there. You know, how much money will you need every month in retirement to live comfortably? And then they'll, you know, work backwards, look at the time, the possible interest rates and investments and, and all that stuff. Um, and they'll come up with an actionable plan. You need to invest or save this much per month if you want to get there, right? It's, it's just setting a goal and, and, um, and working towards it. So, okay, you want to end up here? This is what you need to do now in steps. And uh, if they're a good financial advisor, they'll advise you that life happens, you know. So plan for the unexpected too, because things are going to happen. And uh, help you make preparations for possible scenarios. You know, 
risk and uh, investment, higher reward versus safe, and they'll go through all that with you. But the, the idea is anytime we have a goal, we started that goal and we kind of work backwards. Well, let's consider uh, the two scenarios that we referenced with Balaam. Uh, obviously, a goal is to end up in a certain group at death, right? Righteous group. The one that uh, Balaam has referenced. And you know, not to get too off track here, speaking financial stuff, but shouldn't we all admit clearly to ourselves with a clear mind while we have it that death is certain, that judgment is coming, and have a goal of being among the righteous. And so we work backwards from that and create an actionable plan to end up in that righteous group. That's where we want to be. Because the alternative, we've kind of read some verses here, is not where we want to end up at all. Um, and so being among the righteous, you know, that should be every person's goal on the whole planet. I mean, when you look at the two options, <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Um, Two, as Balaam stated, let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like theirs. Goal set, work backwards. We want to be righteous. We want to be residents of heaven, not condemned to eternal separation, hellfire for all eternity. Um, so who are the righteous? And, you know, quickly, how do we make sure we're there? I mean, that brings us right to the thick of the gospel, doesn't it? Right into it. You see the urgency of the gospel message in our own lives and why it should be preached to others. Um, I won't cover this in great detail, um, but I will hit on it. Is uh, How do we ensure we're among the righteous? Well... John 3, 36, anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Without belief, we're dead in the water. We're already condemned. If you believe, what's next? Many have asked that question before. Uh, we can look in Acts 2, 37 and 38. Peter's words that pierced their hearts. They believed and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And so Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Saul, Acts twenty two sixteen. what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And repenting from sin, we know, doesn't mean just feeling bad about things we've done in the past, but continuing in them. No, it means to turn away, to repent, change course, turn away from. And you can't talk about baptism, of course, without talking about death. Romans 6, first four verses. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? 
Of course not. Since we have died to sin, a spiritual death, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. John 3 and 3. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. And we know that you know, faith and repentance, baptism, that's the start. That's the start of the path towards the goal. And then the ongoing after that is uh, continued growth in faith, going from the milk to the meat, uh, growth in repentance, humility, obedience, um, dependence upon God rather than ourselves, just ongoing and growing love towards God. Um, and it's, you know, it's in the heart. It's not something you just do and then don't believe you can fall away from because you can. It requires uh, ongoing growth and continuing I love this verse, Colossians 3, verse 10. It says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Mm. That's ongoing. And knowing that we, you know, face certain death of these bodies. Uh, should we should we fear death? Not if we're prepared. Not if our hearts are where God wants them, which is with Him. Hebrews four fourteen. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold. Firmly to what we believe, this high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. We know that the life of a Christian, our lives are... They're not guaranteed to be easy. In fact, we know the opposite is guaranteed. Our life will be more difficult in some ways because we follow Christ. But the outcome 
after death is guaranteed. And if we know anything to be true from God's word, he is um, good on his promises. Acts 2, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 14, verse 21. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them what? Reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And we know... You know, the many examples of um, many throughout the scriptures, um, being shipwrecked, beaten, whipped, tortured, uh, up to martyrdom um, for their faith. It's not an easy path. But in some ways it is easier. Luke 12 and verse 4. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. <laughs> yes, he's the one to fear. Let us be prepared for death. Let's not be... The guy who um, doesn't think about his taxes till April 14th, <laughs> or the 15th, or the 16th, <laughs> even worse. Uh, it's too late then. You know, any, any goal that's um, worth striving for, and I can think of no greater goal in this life than this one, is uh, it's worth preparing for and studying and laboring for and you know if we have an important goal we're talking to people about it we're getting tips and you know we're sharing our struggles and reaching this goal right well it's the same it's the same thing and that's what we do among each other we're so blessed to have each other in this journey towards our common goal brother Derek recently uh referenced I love our podcast thing. I've been working a lot and a lot of time on the road, and that's just great. Uh, so I got to listen to yours Wednesday, I think it was, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, he says we're created for work, and we are. So let's work towards this goal. Let's work towards it. And then Brother Kalen, I appreciated your message last Sunday, I think. Was that Mother's Day? It was, without a doubt. I'm not asking <laughs> Um, he recently, you know, he, you referenced Hebrew 12, uh, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I just, you know, this is a, I think you referenced a marathon, maybe. Um, but what more important race is there? So let us have our affairs in order, being ready with oil in our lamps, um, watching and waiting, not caught off guard, but with a healthy fear. 
and respect in regards to God's power and judgment, but also with confidence knowing that He's our Father and He loves us. And He doesn't want to, He doesn't want to punish anyone. He really doesn't. But it's our choice, you know? It's our choice to make. Um, just to wrap this up, I, uh, you know, reference my work in hospice and yeah you know, I've been working more than usual temporarily I'm almost done be back to normal soon but um so I've just been surrounded by death more than even usual and uh that's kind of why I bring this up it's just been on my mind a lot lately death in general and um you know I've had many family members They'll come up to you and say things like, you know, I just don't know how you do it. Or I could never do your job, you know. Because they associate death with, with sadness and grieving, you know. But for me, what, you know, what better job is there than to help people? And, and in this case, help them through final stages of life, their final sufferings. And um, I've referenced this before. I know Brother David's referenced it before, mentioned it about the... Um, usually there's a difference between the passing of a, a believer and a non-believer. You know, talking about the, uh, that mind-body connection that God created within each of us is strong. It is strong. <clears throat> and when our mind, when our heart isn't right, the body knows it. It does. I've seen it many times. I've been in hospice about three and a half years, witnessed a lot of death. And most times I'm not actually present at the very moment they pass. So, you know, usually I'll see them some up before then and kind of tell where things are headed. And then I'll see them afterwards when they call and say it's, they're gone. So I'll go out and pronounce. And, um, but I, I've been around maybe 20 now. Like, actually got to be there when they took their last breath. And, um, Let me tell you, there is a difference between the death of a Christian and the death of someone who rejected God, who had no treasure laid up in the afterlife, uh, to someone who rejects God and who believes there's nothing after this life but being laid into the cold, hard dirt. Uh, this life is all they have. And uh, they'll typically try to cling to it for as long as possible. But let me tell you, it's a losing battle. It's a losing battle. And I think they know it. We can't will ourselves to live forever here on this earth. We will die. We will die. And there's no amount of doctor visits or medical procedures or medicines or 
homeopathic remedies or essential oils, you know, uh, or vitamins that will cancel our appointment with death. And it's not my desire to be overly morbid, you know, this morning, but rather just to face reality. I can't give, you know, specifics like patients' names, but there's been several that have just made an impression on me that will, I'll carry the rest of my life, no doubt. Um, I had one little lady. She was in her 90s. And she was just a powerhouse, apparently, before she got diagnosed with cancer. I mean, she got up and walked every morning several miles around town and just, you know, was very involved in her church. And she was a very strong Christian lady. And, um, you know, she got diagnosed, uh, I think she had lung cancer. And it had metastasized to somewhere else even, so it was spread. And, you know, she was on hospice for a reason. And she got weaker, and she couldn't walk, do her walks anymore. And then she got to where she just couldn't walk, and she was bedbound. You know, I see that a lot. The progression, eventually you end up just so weak that you can't walk anymore. And you're, you're kind of just stuck in the bed. And... And throughout all of this, she was concerned primarily with um, not being a burden on her family. You know, that's what she was most concerned about. Here she is in great need, but she's concerned about others. Her family, she just didn't want to be a burden. She didn't want to feel like she was putting them out by having them to help her go to the bathroom or eat or whatever it was. And that was just her, it's just who she was. She was so selfless. And I'm not holding anyone up on an undue pedestal here, but um, one day as I visited her to to check on her, um, she looked me in the eyes and said, I'm going to see Jesus tonight. (laughs) So I was a little startled, (laughs) like, you know, my first thought is, uh, don't end this yourself, you know. Um, My first thought is, is when someone says something like that, um, you know, you have thoughts that maybe because of the pain or whatever, they're just going to end it themselves, and... uh, she could tell I was a little startled, a little shocked when she said that, because I was concerned, and, and she said, it's not that, I just feel different. I feel like things are changing. She was, you know, alert enough to tell me these things, and, and she just said, um, I feel different, and I'm, I feel like tonight I get to see Jesus, <laughs> Yeah. She was completely at peace all the way through. You know, I had to leave, uh, but uh, I was on call that night, and um, I got the call. 
family, when I got there, you know, I pronounced and they said she was uh, at peace <laughs> the whole way through. She had the presence of mind um, to call her family in and she got to say her goodbyes and final wishes and um, just passed peacefully in the night. And, and really, you know, the peace that she had and that the family had surrounding her death was, uh, it was a blessing to all of them. Um, and that peace only came from knowing um, that she was a strong Christian who was looking forward to her future with Jesus. And... Um, you know, afterwards, I couldn't help but think of how similarly Jesus, after his uh, enduring the cross, he was able to, at a certain point, he loosened his ties with his body and commended his spirit to his father. You know, and, and I couldn't help but think of that and what she, she did. I've just, you don't, it's just amazing. And I've referenced this other one uh, before probably. I've got a lot of stories, but I'm just going to, I just picked two that really stuck with me. Um, I may have referenced her before. I think I might have now that I think about it, but um, this is another lady. She, she had cancer. She was middle age, you know. Uh, she was a wife, a mom. She had kids in homeschool, one daughter when I was there was uh, probably in like high school age maybe and uh, you know she was the patient was a devout Christian every time I went there she either had her nose in the book or she was talking to family and always had Christian music and hymns playing every time I'd go in to check on her and uh, during one visit with her and her husband was there and uh, her her parents um, who obviously were having a hard time losing their their kid, um, grown kid, but nonetheless. Um, she asked if she could pray for me because of how difficult she perceived my job as being. You know, <laughs> it's just... You know, to have someone on their <laughs> literal deathbed wanting to pray for you it's just extremely humbling. I uh, just felt unworthy. You know, here she was dying. And, you know, shouldn't she be in need of these prayers more than <laughs> this guy? <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, she offered a beautiful prayer for me, which I'll never forget. So from experience, uh, most patients who have faith in God and in their future with Him are peaceful all the way through. On the other hand, I'll also have memories of patients that uh, will always stay with me because of the opposite scenario. People who know they're not in right standing with God 
with their Creator, they're not usually at peace. <clears throat> and uh, usually, you know, they fight to stay here longer than what the body would normally allow. And it's just, it's awful. Um, there's always exceptions, but typically those last days are they're filled with confusion and agitation and restlessness and pain, suffering, and little peace for either them or their family. And after death, you know, uh, things are generally just awkward. I was at a funeral once. Uh, Dan, you might have been there. I don't remember, but uh, this guy was atheist, and he died suddenly in the night. Had a heart attack. Boom. Wife found him dead in the bed, cold, and um, went to his funeral. And everyone is, uh, you know trying to offer their condolences, but what can you offer as far as condolences go? I mean, people were trying to refrain from saying things like, they're in a better place. Well, somebody slipped. They slipped, and they said that. And the wife, who was more of a believer, just, just kind of... You know, she knew. Everybody knew. It was just awkward. They're in a better place. Let's be able to say, as, um, as we see in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? 2 Timothy 4 and 7, I have fought a good fight. i am finished my course. I have kept the faith. We know in Psalms uh, 116.15 that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So the, uh, the urgency of the gospel message is just that. I mean, it's urgent. <clears throat> See people dying all around us who don't know Jesus. And there's, time goes one way. There's no take backs on that. We don't know when our time will be, so let's get ready and stay ready. And, you know, with our continued walk with Christ on this side, um, we'll usually come to realize that our initial goal of, you know, just avoiding hell is, um, well, it turns into something much more, you know. As we grow and mature, it's not just about avoiding hell um, with maturity you know we come to the realization that it's more it's more about giving God glory you know um, just a couple verses here left second um, Corinthians 5 starting in verse 1 and I love how this is worded for we know that when this earthly tent, we live in 
is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, in parentheses, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. And while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. And so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. And so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, I underline this part right here. Our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. And lastly, Philippians 1 verse 20. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. <laughs> But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better, he says. <laughs> hmm. Praise God for the hope that he's allowed us to have. You know, to just not be left to drown in our sins without hope of redemption. He's provided us with the way. And he's eager for us to come to him. As I said before, he doesn't he wants to punish no one. But it's up to us which path we choose. And so let's get ourselves prepared. So we can help others get prepared too, you know? Let us say from the side of righteousness, let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like theirs. Are you prepared this morning? Are you ready for what's coming? Are you at peace knowing where you'll be when the time comes? And if not, then uh, let's get ready today. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.